Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back to the Musical Season Splitting Podcast. two-ish. Season two-ish. It's like, like a- most things has to adapt to this new horrible world. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. We took a little break, like Ross and Rachel from Friends, if you're familiar with that reference. Uh, I didn't uh, do any podcasts. We got back on the plane. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. I never actually watched Friends. I, I had to watch it when I was a kid because of, you know, other family members, but I have not watched it oh, yeah, since. You had, you had like a sibling that was the perfect age. Yeah, exactly. And my mom loved it and everybody else in the world. But anyway, we, we took a break, but we're back. Uh, it's very, I mean, it's not the first time I've seen your face, but in this context with headphones on and recording, <laughs> it's the first time I've seen you in this uh, avenue. So it's nice to see you back in, uh, in the chair. Yeah. It's nice to see your scarf again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't do it any other way. Your Kurzgesagt poster in the back or your calendar in the back. Oh yeah. It's my calendar, which today we're recording it on uh, December 31st. It's the last day of the calendar. I'm gonna have to toss it yep. in the trash. Yep. We're it's new year's Eve and, uh, we needed to record this today because the subject, uh, we are covering is premiering tomorrow. So yeah, we're, uh, it is new year's Eve, 2020. Um, I personally am not ascribing to the narrative of fuck 2020, like throw it in the trash because that has been every year for the last, you know, five ish you know, like, ever since 2015, I think everyone was like, wow, can't wait for next year. It's going to be better because this one was bad. Uh, I think I think that's a bad attitude to go into things with. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'd say that this year was kind of exceptionally bad compared to the last five years. I don't know. But but here's the thing. Like every year for the last five years was exceptionally bad True. compared to the year before it. I, I, or at least it felt that way. And I think yes. part of that is because we are so exposed to the world and all its ills in a way we never were before that it actually feels worse than it has been comparatively speaking like you know the 90s weren't great but they felt fine because the only window you had into the rest of the world was like cbs and now you just have this constant deluge of information telling you like you're a bad person for not caring enough (laughs) about the thing that you cannot affect on the other side of the world and you know it kind of grinds you down and then on top of that we had the pandemic I mean, I personally am sort of indifferent because number one, I don't celebrate New Year's on January 1st. As you know, my people, we celebrate it on March 20th, the first day yeah. of spring, which on makes wrong day. a lot more sense, by the way. <laughs> first day of spring makes much more sense than some well, random isn't that day like in winter. Most cultures kind of do, and then their Chinese New Year kind of is in that neighborhood. It's all, in yeah, March. It's, it's all sort of in the spring equinox. Yeah. I don't know if the Chinese New Year is on the exact date. I, th- I thought Chinese New Year is like in February. Well, it's or, like in, in springish. Like, I, I feel like it's in March. Either way, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, the whole reason we brought this up was because we had to do it because on New Year's Day, they are going to be streaming. They, which is the Actors Fund, is going to be putting on a production of Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, which, as you probably guessed from the title of this episode, which is why we're here, not to complain about New Year's. Although I will complain about mm-hmm. New Year's as often as possible. I mean, I, I, I do, I'm going to have a good New Year's. I'm th- like, I put this recording off by like a full hour and a half because... <laughs> um, Right. Uh, I was just like, I'm, I'm running late. Sorry. Uh, but you never uh, do that. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so out of character <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, because I, I was like, this is my first uh, for, foray into shoe pastry. Yes. Because uh, I'm trying to make a croque Um oh, I will probably fail. Because uh, that's like three levels of things that I've never done before, which is uh, shoe pastry, which is cream puffs, uh, pastry cream, which is what you put in the cream puff. Mm. 
and uh, caramel, which I've never failed at caramel yet, but, you know, probably will this time because I got to fail at least one of those things. And the way a croquembouche is like you take cream puffs and you just pile them on top of each other in the shape of a Christmas tree and you use caramel to glue them together. So this is like extremely advanced. Probably be very hilarious. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure yeah, you're, you're a good cook. I, I, I wouldn't uh, put down your own abilities. I'm sure you'll do a great job. I was like, I, I was like, I don't think I've ever actually cooked for you. Yeah, <laughs> you have. You've cooked me for I a couple have? times. Yeah, you've cooked for me. You've grilled oh. for me. You've done everything. Oh, yeah, I've grilled. Yeah, because uh, I'm good at grilling Beyond Burgers. That's the one <laughs> thing I can do. <laughs> hey, that's cool. I'm not going to be cooking anything tonight. We're just ordering out, as most people are probably. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm excited for... Actually, I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm relatively <laughs> excited Based on <laughs> what we're going to be doing for this. Uh, so do you want me to, do you want to cover anything? Have you seen, you've seen Ratatouille, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What did you think of it? Did you, how, where does it stack in the pantheon of Pixar movies for you? I guess like upper quarter. Because I think the truth about Pixar movies is like they, like they're all very well, they're, they're solid. Um, but there's only a few that I'm like, yeah, that's my boy, you know, and I'd say like Ratatouille's in like, you know, the, he's, he's in the like upper 20th percentile. Um, <laughs> but it's also not one of those movies that I will watch 50 bazillion times like Wally or Wally. Uh, Wally's excellent. It's the best one. Yeah. I guess it, like, that's, that's the thing. You're just we like, can agree you know, on that. Yes. Like, like finding Nemo's pretty good. I guess the, the weird thing about the toy stories is that like, I watched them a bunch as a kid, but as an, as an adult, they don't really do anything for me. Um, probably because Tim Allen's in it and he sucks. Ugh, I know. But then again, I, I still like Galaxy Quest, so I don't think that's it. I, I don't know. It's just like, it's it's like, they're, I don't have anything against them, but like, I think the older I get, the less uh, impressed I am with Pixar. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's just an aging thing or if it's just feeling like you see the same thing over and over again. I still haven't watched Soul. Um, I still haven't watched Coco. Like I, oh. I just been kind of, I guess, burned out on it. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah, you got to watch it when you're excited. I think, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I, I've the past few Pixar movies that I've seen, I've been able to say, and I don't know how much of it's just a symptom of having gone to school and studied screenwriting. So you're like, I know when this is going to hit. Oh, it's this time. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I don't half, think it's that's true. I don't think that's space. true. Because I think it's just like you if you're thinking about that while you're watching it, it's like a little too formulaic. It's not very well done. In my experience, you had like a movie like Mulan, which is just like mechanical, like screenwriting has every single point. But it's Mm -hmm. like you're never bored by it because, you know, it's very well constructed. I uh, Ratatouille for me, I actually only have seen it like once or twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I rewatched it uh, in preparation for this. And it's still fine. I don't have anything against it. I didn't dislike it, obviously. I guess here's the thing about Brad Bird. And I think part of the reason why I'm like more lukewarm on Brad Bird movies than I used to be Uh is there's always this subtext of exceptional beings are born that way. Hmm. And that's good, actually. Uh, And um, it's very Ayn Randian. Yeah, it's it's a little randy. Uh, like I think The Incredibles is really bad about that, where it's like your villain is trying to like socialize superpowers, <laughs> and you know the good guys are the ones that like know their place and know the the right and correct order, which is that like superheroes are at the top of the superpower chain, and that's good and as it should be because they were born that way, and you don't want to upset the balance. And like Ratatouille has a, a little bit of that, where yeah. it's like Remy is is you know born 
good at his, you yeah. know, chefing. Um, he doesn't really need to <laughs> learn anything. Uh, he just is just naturally adept at it. And the problem isn't his abilities. The problem is like the station he was born in, which is he's a rat. Right. Um, and so it's like I, it's it's not toxic on the level of like Zack Snyder's bullshit but it's still like it's, it's one of those things that like it keeps coming up in Brad Bird movies not just the Pixar ones but the Pixar ones are like his most famous so yes. it's one of those things that people it's like after it happened a few times it's like hmm, hmm. things that make you go hmm <laughs> if I'm not mistaken I don't think that was his idea I think if I remember correctly they were working on it and then they had to bring Brad Bird, Brad Bird in to take over Ratatouille because it was not uh, working in its story. Uh, yeah, he's construction. like, they're like, come in, Brad Bird. We need, uh, we need to make this about like individual exceptionalism. Yeah. and like <laughs> it wasn't working enough before. Yeah, it was and too egalitarian. Some, you you already had that movie that was like low key eugenics. So let's just do that, <laughs> but with a rat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's it's fine. I I don't dislike it. I watch it again. It's still like it's yeah. charming. It's nice. Yeah, it, I, th- it's, I think Patton Oswalt. That's like you know his finest hour. I yeah. think you know he's just playing himself, but it works. It's cool it, it, you know sarah and i laughed about it because she's very much remy of being like oh no but this needs this or like this tastes like oh don't eat that like very she sort of has a i guess mm-hmm. you'd say a good palate and where i'm just sort of like the brother where i'm like whatever i'll eat trash i don't care I'll, it's fine <laughs> i just need i need to consume calories so that i don't die that's sort of although of course i like nice food but anyway so i think it's it's fine um as far as the musical is concerned sh- should we go into the the stats or what do you want to do yeah well i guess there's like sort of the preamble which is like TikTok's place in all of this and sort of TikTok as a platform. Okay. I don't know if this came before or during or after, but like the thing that I was aware of, not the Ratatouille musical, but I think this came before it, which was this, um, this guy made a joke post that was like, um, it's the music, it's a musical and it's the end of act one, you know, it's like the big ballad at the end of act one. And the theme is we're having a fight in a grocery store. Okay. And he just sings the song about how we're having a fight in a grocery store. <laughs> and like, my wife doesn't understand me and we're standing in the middle of like, you know, the, the cabbage aisle. And then this like other woman like joins in and, and like supplies the wife's part in harmony with this guy. And then like, it just kind of like built on that. And then like, there was a kid that joined in, like I'm the kid that's in the <laughs> grocery cart. And then like, the, you know, the, the cashier who uh, is like, uh, like, you know, getting people's stuff. And like, you know, eventually it got like mm-hmm. really, really out there. Like, here's the cabbage that's watching. Here's the like Everybody. spray that's on the cabbage. Here's the ding dong noise as the door opens. <laughs> and like, it works really well. It's sort of one of the, and the thing about TikTok is it's like, it's designed for you to respond to things. Mm-hmm. Um, where you, you can do it sort of like side by side and, uh, you know, being owned by a Chinese company, (laughs) TikTok (laughs) is kind of draconian in what it tolerates compared to like, you know, platforms like Twitter, which are like free speech and TikTok's like, no, (laughs) no free speech. So in that, because it's so draconian, like it allows for that sort of like, um, response video in a way that is very rarely like harassy, um, you know, and, and make of that what you will. That's its own, you know, bag of, yeah, that's um, a whole other 10 podcasts. Wolverines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but like that was sort of, I, I think where it began was like people using it as a, as a, or people using this particular um, function of TikTok to build on things other people had done. And, you know, it was sort of like uniquely perfect for this year where like, it's really hard to collaborate with people. And mm-hmm. then you have this platform that is sort of designed for that very thing specifically. Okay. That's cool. I thought it was going to be more like a, like a Star Wars uh, fan film or something where like people do like, what was that one where somebody, people were doing like 15 second or like 10 second mm-hmm. clips of Star Wars. And oh, I, no, and I mean, like, I think that here's the thing, like there's the um, way it was presented on TikTok. Yeah. And then there's how they're going to do it. And uh, we have no idea no what idea. it's going to look like because the people who are actually performing it are not the people who wrote the, or rather I guess, improvised the songs on TikTok. Because uh, I think they were more, like, mostly improvised. Um, and that was sort of the magic of it, was, like, all these people, like, kind of coming together, like, yeah, let's do Ratatouille the musical. It's going to be an interesting question of, like, how they present it, because we don't really know. Uh, but we do know um, that a lot of people, uh, professional people, um, are involved. Some of whom, I, whose names I actually know because of this very podcast that we did. Yay. Who I would not have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Ratatouille, the TikTok musical directed by Lucy Moss. Uh, Emily Jacobson, a 26-year-old teacher from New York, got creative and posted an original song inspired by the 2007 movie Ratatouille on the social media app TikTok. What went from a quaint viral effort started by a user's Broadway-esque ode to the 2007 Disney Pixar film, it went to a full-blown event in a matter of weeks. Producers have enlisted professionals at all levels from a costume team and a choreographer to actors. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. See, that's how I'm like, they didn't want to make it just like a Zoom musical. So I'm really, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to uh, incorporate like choreographers if everybody is doing their part remotely. Uh, I hope this doesn't just all happen once. Like what if they cut to like a Zoom call where there's like 50 people on the screen at once for like a Mm -hmm. huge dance number with a bunch of people? (laughs) I really hope it doesn't look like that. I think it's probably going to look exactly like that. (laughs) Uh, The virtual production features 11 songs with 10 of those songs originating on TikTok. uh, And then they were expanded and brought to life by a 20 piece orchestra. That's kind of cool. Titus Burgess will star as tiny budding chef Rémy with Wayne Brady playing his father Django. And we haven't Andrew- seen Wayne Brady in a while. Yeah, what's he, what's he been up to? I mean, obviously, other than being in quarantine, he's, but he's in the, <laughs> the ratatouille. Oh musical. shit! It's Wayne Brady. That's uh, still that's still what I think. I can't <laughs> I, unthink of him I from Chappelle's show. I understood show. that reference. Yeah, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Where I'm like, <laughs> in a way, because like, wait for for you kids out there. Um, Wayne Brady was like this, you know, very like safe family ABC like personality who was on like whose line is it anyway? And um, like. Uh, <laughs> Like all, all these like, you know, game shows and stuff like that. And then he was on the skit and Chappelle's show where he like is a secret gangster that murders people. And, and a pimp uh, plays completely you know, against type. Yeah. And it was like, it was funny, but it was like such a popular skit. It kind of ruined his, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, his, his, his image as, as like a family friendly, you know, ABC game show host guy. And uh, incidentally, I have to run downstairs oh. to get my cream puffs out of the oven. BRB. I wish there had been a Ratatouille song that I could have sung here in your uh, in your absence. 
bum, 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 ratatouille, the musical. I'm a rat and I'm cooking food at home and I'm going to eat the food because I'm a rat, but other rats don't want me to eat food that's cooked. They want me to eat trash. I like eating trash because I'm a rat. But not me, because I'm Ratatouille. Actually, that's not my real name. My real name is Remy. I'm a really good chef. I like to cook all my food. And it's something, something. Other lyrics fill in the gaps while Lindsay gets her food. And it's going to be really delicious, because she probably did a really good job at researching it, because that's what she's good at doing. Unlike me, who can improvise the best song in the world. Not the one that Tenacious D did, but a totally different one that I made up. I'm still singing, and now you're back. Right on cue, right when I was done so with singing my song. So here's the thing, like, they, uh, they, <laughs> while they look really good... Um, <laughs> They uh, are not golden brown yet, so I'm going to have to keep like running downstairs until they're correctly browned. I just sang an entire song for uh, whoever. For Paul. For Paul, yeah. I was like, Paul, hopefully you you enjoyed that. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. It's funny because like, yeah, he... He like, uh, what I told you, he's like, oh, it'll be great to hear the band back together again. Like monkey's paw. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> monkey's paw curls. Anyway. Anyway. So Wayne Brady, by the way, that was really <laughs> jarring to have to explain to people who Wayne Brady was. Yeah. And At least these like, you know, Zoomers yeah. who don't remember whose line is it oh, anyway. Oh no, we're an old, we're olds now. Anyway, Wayne Brady will play his father Django and Andrew Barth Feldman as Linguini. I believe Andrew Barth Feldman um, mm-hmm. originated the lead role in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, okay. And that's how he's famous. But we, of course, have not seen Dear Evan Hansen. We yet. have not. Uh, Kevin Chamberlain will play Augusto. Tony Award winner Andre DeShields will be playing Ego. That's who I knew. I'm so hype. <laughs> yeah, I saw it was funny because I opened up the Vulture article, the one I was talking about that uh, explained a little bit about the Disney thing. And I saw the picture mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's Andre DeShields. I know who that is. And I was very yeah. proud of myself. I'm, I'm like, I'm so hyped for him as like, <laughs> oh, what was oh God, uh, uh, like the fact that uh, Andre DeShields is pay, playing Peter O'Toole's character. I know. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you know, is is like the, uh, you know, character he plays in Town is so um, above it all. Yeah. yeah. So it is kind it's of perfect, perfect casting. casting. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm really hyped for that. Yeah. If nothing else. Uh, I don't know about Adam Lambert, so I'm really hyped for Andre Adam Lambert. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Tony winner Priscilla Lopez uh, will play Mabel and Adam Lambert will play Emil. They also star. Uh, it's a mess. Who's Mabel? Mabel, is that the girl, I assume? The no, that's Colette. Colette, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, I don't know who Mabel I, is. Yeah, I feel like whoever plays Colette is not on this uh, thingy. Yeah, I was like, is is Colette not in it? Did they change her name? Are no, like, she's uh, in it. I saw I saw her. I don't know why she's not listed in this thing I copy and pasted into this <laughs> Google Talk. <laughs> Mary Testa. Mary Testa will be playing the role of Colette. Nope, that's nope. also wrong. That's a lie. Mary Testa is Skinner. Skinner, who's that? I don't, I don't know. Um, the person who is playing Colette is Ashley Park, who I assume is also a Broadway person. Ashley Park, okay, sure. Like Vincent Park. Vincent Park. Oh, I miss Vincent Park. No, <laughs> we all miss Vincent. Park. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, okay, so yes, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a pretty good cast. Titus is in the lead, which I'm very excited about because I love him. He's hilarious. I feel like I need to say that, like, uh, um, Vincent Park is a real person. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I need to say this because of the overlap, because Vincent Park is also a character in my book. <laughs> well, his real name, are we allowed to say yeah. his real name? Is Hong, is Hong Sik His real Park. name is Hong Sik, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, people are going to be like, ooh, we've got to find Who's this <laughs> like Google. Park? Uh, he was a classmate of ours. Yeah, he's a classmate at USC. Uh, he's a lovely, lovely, very, very smart guy. Um, and he's hilarious so, too. Yeah. He's so a, shout out to Vincent Park. If you ever listen to this, I told him about the podcast cause I emailed him like six months ago. I never heard in true Hong Sik fa- fashion. Yeah. I won't get another email for like eight years. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, let's see message of support to the creative minds in the TikTok community. Those users who helped create materials for the finished product will be credited and compensated according to the official website. That's cool. Uh, so they're getting a shout out and some cash, which I'm sure they could use since they probably only got $600 in the mail or uh, direct deposited. Uh, proceeds from the ticket sales will be going to the Actors Fund. Uh, since March, the organization has provided over $18 million in assistance. That's wonderful. Uh, with help from 17 industry partners to more than 14,700 artists across the country who've been affected by the pandemic. Uh, that's cool. So have you heard on a somewhat related note that apparently Guy Fieri also raised a bunch of money for yeah. people. So for that's the cool. re- for he did it for like the restaurant fund, but like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to see like, uh, you know, this was the year of like Guy Fieri and Dolly Parton, you know, <laughs> people who have like historically been dismissed as like, you know, bimbos and himbos, you know, stepping up and helping their fellow man. I don't know what house you grew up in, but we loved Dolly Parton from a young age. Here's the thing. Like, I remember, I mean, we did too. I'm from Tennessee. Like, come on. But the thing is, in the 90s, we were just like, you know, really high levels of misogyny. And like, I... (laughs) Should I do something about this? It's your input. No, it's cool. People like it. It makes sense. So, yeah, my dog is... uh, Is it Kali? Making her... Yeah, it's Kali. My dog is making her presence known by making the toy go squee. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've always been very pro Dolly Parton, but it's only kind of like in the last 10 years that I've really kind of appreciated like how, you know, because like the thing is like her imagination library started in Tennessee and mm. um, like, you know, it kind of expanded from there. But it was like specifically, you know, to promote literacy in the state of Tennessee. Wonderful. And um yeah, so I know this is like a little off topic, but like, I guess that's another. Whenever they do the Dolly Parton musical, we can like. Uh, oh yeah, we'll get. We'll have we can to go we back. can wax fills, and now I need to run back stairs. Oh, <laughs> Dolly Parton the song. musical. <laughs> I don't know what to sing. I'll sing about the Actors Fund because there's a fund. It's for the people who like to act, and they are acting, but now they can't act because there's a pandemic. Don't act because it's dangerous because you got to act without a mask unless you did a story about a story person who's wearing a mask and then it's okay. But even then it's not because you got to keep six feet away. So unless you want to do a movie about nothing because these are probably for actors that are in theater. This is really hard. I can't keep coming up with songs. Actually, that's not true. I just don't have an audience. So that makes it really weird. It makes it really weird. It makes it really weird. Lindsay, hurry up. I don't know how much longer I can keep going. Oh my God. Thank God she's back. Okay. Cream puffs are out of the oven. Um, I... I, I don't want to jinx myself, but I'm going to jinx myself. I think I might have knocked it out of the park on the first try. You're going to have to take photos of it so we can post it on Instagram so people can yeah. see a visual see, aid. See the, see the puffs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then on part two, I can say, did I actually knock it out of the park on the first try? I'm, I'm sure you did. Uh, I don't doubt your abilities. Um, so in a normal year, Joseph P. 
Ben Incasa, president and CEO of the Actors Fund, says that they provide about $2 million to about 1,500 people. So they increased their money about tenfold. Yes, which is wonderful. They need it. So uh, according to, here's a quote from Titus Burgess, who's going to be playing Remy. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not on TikTok. I know nothing about it. The pieces that I was assigned to perform were truly outstanding. Uh, I was very proud to sing to them. Um, Lovely. I kind of feel the same way. (laughs) I'm I'm not. Are you still not on it either? No, I mean, like, I technically am, but, like... You have, like, a I, creeper account or whatever? Uh, Kali's on, on, on <laughs> TikTok. Kali, no, no, it's not... No. <laughs> she's like, oh, play. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you have a TikTok. I, I mean, like, I, I follow, like, three people on TikTok. Um, but I think my problem with TikTok is, like, I can't get in it as a creator just because I'm so lazy. Um, <laughs> and every time I, like, you know, start to, like, sometimes I'll try to do Instagram stories. And then I, like, I'm like, ugh, but then I have to finish it. So I just, I'm not very good at TikTok. I'm much more at home on Twitter, which requires much less effort. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel, I feel Titus. Like, I get it. and But honestly, like, most of the TikToks I follow like just will repost their content to Twitter. Like Hank Green, That's true. you know, Hank Green, TikTok star, who really we should have had guest on this, Hank Green, TikTok yeah, star. Yeah, seriously, he could have talked um, about TikTok with us. Yeah, he, uh, he'll he just repost all of his TikToks to Twitter. So I don't actually need to go onto TikTok because I could see all his TikToks on Twitter. Perfect. So I guess TikTok is kind of a redundant platform for me. I very rarely check it. I'm uh, I, And all the good ones end up on Twitter anyway. It's true. Although everyone has been telling me to get on it because of the positive creative nature of it. But I also know that I have problems like not obsessively checking and going on apps. So, and I've only gotten worse as you've noticed with Twitter over the past six, seven months. And I'm like, I don't know if I need to like dip my toe into the TikTok water. Cause I might yeah, just go. I, well, non-stop. I am. <laughs> yeah. I think the kids would love you on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> you've told me this many times and sure. I'm like, I don't Scar- that's where scarf, scarf talk can <laughs> <laughs> just scarf show the all day. the kids your scarves. Yeah, yeah. Scarf of the day. TikTok. <laughs> it's like a 10 day. A TikTok. See, I'm joking about it now, but you know, our Twitter's going to blow up with yes. Yeah, scarf, scarf talk. Of the day. <laughs> Maybe if it if it gets me a bunch of, of scarves donated, then I'll look into it. I'll consider it. So uh, I guess the thing was, uh, my question was yes. uh, about uh, Disney allowing this to happen at all. Because uh, here's the thing about fan works is like uh, one of the funny things about fan fiction in general, because uh, I feel like this is a, this is a form of fan work. Um is there's a funny thing that that has never really gone away, and YouTube YouTubers do this too sometimes, like which is like they'll put disclaimers like mm-hmm. no copyright infringement intended, like it means anything, and it's like that's not how copyright works. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to do it, so please just let yes. it be. Exactly. And the thing about fan works in general is like, it's one of those things that's never really been litigated and, Mm -hmm. you know, God willing, it never will be, but you know, at least with the big corporation. But like, the thing is like the reason why it never really has is because it's like a, it's kind of a goodwill. It's like almost kind of like a safe harbor of PR. Yeah. You know, it's kind of in corporations and authors and IP holders best interest to allow it to happen. Um, and there have been like some really high profile exceptions to this. Like Anne Rice, the author, um, is weirdly, uh, or used to be, she's, she's, she's like less bad about it now, but she was really draconian about it for a long time. Uh. Um, she would just like shut, um, fan communities down everything on fanfiction.net. This was before AO3 existed. And so like basically the entire vampire Chronicles fandom existed in locked down, um, live journal 
communities. Oh. And, and so generally this is not great strategy uh, because that kind of like, um, except for those really hardcore fans that are going to do it yeah. one way or the other, that kind of like puts people off and they're like, well, I don't want to support you. And so it's weird because like American corporations have taken this to heart. Japanese corporations are really, really like hell to the no. Um, and that's a big reason why there's not a lot of content about like anime on YouTube because, or, or Nintendo for that matter, because like, um, like Japanese companies are just like, no, <laughs> absolutely yeah, not. I know that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like kind of notorious. Like you like studio Ghibli, anything like that is like for the most part, uh, the major Japanese corporations do not tolerate um, anything that could be construed as fair use. Uh, mm. And so basically you'd have to like, kind of take it to the end of the line. Um, so uh, I thought this was really <laughs> interesting because Disney kind of gave their blessing yeah, I was going to say, unlike a fucking giant monster corporation like Disney, who's apparently like, oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it's like it's good PR where it's like you have this like, you know, crowdsourced thing, which is sort of like the weird thing about copyright is like organically, that's how folklore works, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, historically how stories have like been told. It's not because you have this intellectual property that is owned by a person or an entity historically it's just been like an idea that went viral <laughs> so to speak and you know like i think uh the thing i always think about like uh what i grew up with is mm -hmm. uh, in the in the south they're called oh, there's this thing called jack tales um and you probably know them as like uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, okay. stuff like that. Like that is is a Jack tale, but there's like way, way, way more than that. And mm -hmm. it's sort of like the um, like originally it was sort of uh, I, I, I it's like sort of a pan um, Southern thing, but it became like a white thing <laughs> in the 20th century. And, you know, then you have like Br'er Rabbit, which would be like sort of the um, uh, African-American uh, equivalent um, or not equivalent, but like, you know, like uh, Uncle Rima's stories and Br'er Rabbit, like even though they were also appropriated by Disney, um, mm -hmm. originally were a form of fol folklore. And so I really kind of feel like fan, fan works are the last... <laughs> Uh, kind of safe harbor for folklore, except for stuff that is just like purely organically can't be claimed as an intellectual property, uh, like Slenderman. <laughs> <laughs> this is what uh, Kali thinks of as copyright law. I was like, she's weighing in. She's our third host for this week. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. she's our third beetle. Yeah. Fuck yes. copyright law. Um, you know a lot about this. This has been a a, a thing you've been. Knee deep yeah, in. I've, I've been like knee deep in it. Like I've, I've had to learn about it. Uh, I'm also, it's also kind of interesting because I'm on the other side of it. I'm starting to be on the other side of it now where, um, uh, you know, people would ask, like, what do you think of like fan fiction and fan art of your uh, book? And uh, that's what Kali thinks. But I, I'm just like, to me, I'm like fan works are the sign of a healthy fandom, you know, and I generally. Exactly. <laughs> Fans of squeaky toys are weighing in. <laughs> I keep trying to take it from her and she's like, Ooh, play. Uh, <laughs> no, it makes sense. It's like, it's, it's like giving itself a life of its own. Like, I don't know why you would, I mean, I understand why yeah. corporations would I, want to thwart well, it. Well, I think personally, I'm like, for the most part, fan works are done out of passion. They're yeah, not done exactly. for profit. And I think the thing is like, whenever, you know, it, it honestly is kind of like a different thing whenever you're doing it commercially. And I think that is sort of the issue here. I don't think Disney would allow it if it was for profit. I think they, but the fact that it, this is for a charity is yeah, exactly. why they're giving it its blessing. Yeah. And I, I would kind of feel the same way. Like if someone like, you know, wrote a novella based on like my fiction, um, they would, uh, 
you know, sorry, I just got a message. You know, if, if someone wrote like a novella off my stuff and sold it, I would be like, no, <laughs> not yeah. okay. So the, uh, the official line of Disney is, although we do not have development plans for the title, we love when our fans engage with Disney stories. We applaud and thank all of the online theater makers for helping to benefit the Actors Fund in this unprecedented time of need. Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's, it's like, like a double, it's like, a double okay, win. We'll allow it just because of the global yeah. pandemic, which has never happened before in human history, but just this once. No, it's a double win. It'll get them, you know, good publicity. It's free marketing and it makes them look yeah, like exactly. really good guys. So it's it's a pretty clear, obvious move that, it's, that that's what they should do in this situation. Great. Well, I'm going to go uh, make my croquembouche, my New Year's croquembouche, croquembouche. and it's going to be rad. I'm going to be enjoying my, you know, whatever New Year's Eve with Sarah, doing nothing really interesting. Maybe do a FaceTime Zoom. Uh, but mm-hmm. yes, we're going to go in, in the next uh, 12 hour, 24 hours. We're going to watch it and then we'll come back and we'll discuss our thoughts. Let's do it. Well, have a happy new year. I'll see you have next year. Have a happy year. new year. I'll see you next year. <laughs> and we'll talk about Ratatouille the musical. In the meantime, enjoy this glorious ad read. Ad read. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with literally thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. Not disruptors, destroyers, troublemakers, botherers, or annoyers. So please, haters to the left. You're probably asking, why do I need Nebula if I've already got Curiosity Stream? And uh, you know what? That's a good question. Intellectual curiosity is how we reach a more perfect union. So good job. So I'm going to tell you how it breaks down. Curiosity Stream is all about big budget nonfiction videos. And Nebula is a place for the smaller, independent, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. So think of it as like a Gilman or like a CBGB, where you can say you saw someone cool and punk before they became mainstream and lame. Although, mainstream is cool too. There's no such thing as selling out, FYI. Anyway, with Nebula, you can see an original, you guessed it, content from all kinds of creators like CGP Grey, Kersexog, and a certain Ellis of the Lindsay variety. So, get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $19.99 for a full year. That's 365 days, which is almost how long we've been in quarantine, but that's a side note. Uh, you can get that by visiting CuriosityStream.com, you guessed it, slash musicalsplaining. And once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. Now back to the show. Okay, and we are back from the break. It is now 2021. Everything has been magically fixed. <laughs> We've got Bean Dads now bean tweeting dad. about their apocalypse cans. <laughs> Fucking How did you bean spend dads. your morning? Yeah. Bean Dads teaching with teachable moments. Oh, I think I think Bean Dad had a teachable moment. Yeah. Don't don't go to Twitter with your stupid parenting bullshit. <laughs> Seeking validation for the thing you kind of know you shouldn't have done. It was a bad idea. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, basically, nothing's changed other than the calendar year has rolled over and we're still mm-hmm. in the same hellscape. But the main thing that's changed is we have both watched Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, or as I've been calling it with Sarah, Jellical Rats. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that that was one of the uh, I because I, I remember when it came out seeing the radical rats thing on uh, Twitter, and then I completely forgot that was a thing. Radical rats? I don't think I saw. Yeah, that, that was that was a line in the show. Radical rats. For, yeah. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. I see that. Yeah. Now. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Ra- radical songs for radical rats. Radical I can't believe rats. you. That <laughs> I think I missed that. I, I had yeah. a lot of feelings when I was watching it, so I think I got a little distracted from some of the stuff. And yeah, I can't believe you missed radical songs for radical rats. <laughs> uh, you know me, I'm really good at multitasking. I was probably writing a note down and then got sidetracked and then came mm-hmm. back to it. Well, I guess it was only an hour, so blink and you miss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was very short. It was what, like it was 50 minutes or something? Yeah, uh, it was like 55. And uh, another thing um, that we missed, uh, speaking of short things, mm-hmm. um when we were doing the intro is that Lucy Moss, who directed this also directed six. Six. Yes. I did notice that afterwards, um, which was pretty cool. Uh, So what do you want to go first? Should I go first? So how how should we do this, Lindsay, in 2021? Well, okay. I'm not sure I I can criticize things anymore (laughs) or watch them anymore because like the entire first half or almost all of it, all I could think was like, oh God, if this does well, they're going to make the jump to Broadway. And then I was just thinking, like, I couldn't really stay in it because I kept thinking about, like, how they're, Disney's going to capitalize on this. Mm. Um, and that's not really the the show's fault no, because yeah, yeah. I, I kept trying to, like, pull back and be like, okay, this should be seen as a culmination, not as a jumping off point, which is what I'm afraid it will be because um, I I think like sort of the charm of it, watching it unfold on TikTok is that like new TikToks would come out and people would be like, oh yeah, that's cute. Like they're doing this scene, but it's a song. And oh yeah, I remember that scene. It's yeah. funny that you made it into a song and it wasn't really in order. Um, so in this version, they put it in order and, you know, put it to professional soundtrack and, you know, had Broadway actors singing it. And that, you know, should be considered like the culmination, like, hey guys, you did all this thing, you know what, let's let's take it, make it professional, and then it should be done. And my, I could not stop thinking, like, this is not going to be the end of this, and it's, because the thing about it is, like, as a musical, it's, mm-hmm. like, really boring and basic. Um, be, and, because, like, the charm of it is basically that it was improvised. Yeah. Uh, so if you kind of divorce it from that and try to turn it into something more than what it was, it like immediately kind of uses anything that was unique about it. And I, I think it's, again, that's not the show's fault, but I couldn't stop thinking about that. And that did kind of dampen my enjoyment of it, even though I spent like the whole time, like smiling, yeah. like it was just like, you know, so, it, cause it was like, so, you know, janky, but in a good way, you yeah, know, it was just yeah. like, it was, it was joyful. You know, it wasn't trying to be pretentious, which I was, I honestly found a huge relief. Like, yes. you know, yes. it wasn't, you know, they, it wasn't like more ambitious than a TikTok normally would be. That that was one of the notes I had too. I was like, I liked mm-hmm. that it was, I, I say this, uh, in a good way that it, it was kind of shitty, but that was, <laughs> that was the good part of it. That was what sort of, that was the spirit of it. I think if, yeah, if they had mm-hmm. gone all out, I was really worried that it was going to be like overly polished and annoying, yeah. but like, no. And just seeing Titus just wearing, I was like, oh, he's just wearing a gray mock turtleneck. Is that supposed yeah. to be his rat suit? And Sarah's <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is kind of what they do a lot of the time. And, and you know, because like the suspension of disbelief in theater is they'll like, you know, it's kind of like in Hades Town where you never see the train. It's like, you know, it's you know, train. It's, it's, it's here. Trust me. Yeah. Or uh, in The Lion King where they like, sh- 
um, show up in their masks, but then they take the masks off. And for the rest of the show, they were just people. Um, and that's kind of how the Lion King is done. I also did like how it was inconsistent. Right. So like Wayne mm-hmm. Brady was like wearing his like weird, like I went to a child's fair <laughs> and got like, fucking rat. Yeah. I got like <laughs> rat makeup on and Adam Lambert's just like dressed normally. And then mm. it's just like, it's, there's no consistency, but I didn't yeah. mind. I liked that part of it. That part yeah, of it to it's me was It's kind fine. of like, was, there's no consistency is kind of what made it feel like TikTok. Right. Um, in that a weird way, I kind of, especially in the first half, I kind of wish they had done more TikTok stuff, like more TikTok filters, because there was a little too much pantomime. You know, they could have used filters like when Remy finds you know like ooh saffron you know he could have like had a saffron emoji or something <laughs> you know like they, they were you know since they're playing it up the fact that it was a TikTok musical I felt like they could have done more TikTok stuff they kind of did in the second half but in the first half it, it it felt more like a zoom call I guess so was it I mean that was the most epic zoom call of all time but do you know did they film it like live <laughs> did, did they do it all like at the same time or no. I, they didn't because I was also wondering. Because I, think, I think they did their scenes at the same time. Okay. Some of them. Because I noticed that they were looking at like whatever, like a prompter or whatever, which you would yeah, and that was another thing that. where I was like, I, I was just like, why didn't they put the teleprompter in front of the camera? Because <laughs> like, I use a teleprompter yeah. uh, whenever I record things, and um, yeah, I, I was just kind of like, they couldn't, they couldn't get a teleprompter. I I, that, but in my so to me in my brain when I was watching it I was like oh I guess they're just sort of like doing it all at the same time they're just like they got it there because they're just sort of pulling this out of their ass at, not the last minute mm-hmm. but like it's not like a show well, I mean, that they're going to do for of 50 the last weeks minute. yeah yeah it was kind of the last minute and I think that was honestly kind of smart on their part to yeah. like get it together as quickly as they did because you know the longer they wait the more quickly people are going to even forget that you know the the Ratatouille TikTok trend even happened. Um, so I, th- I think they did like have a, you know, the actors had like a week to throw it together. Right. But it's not something that they're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be doing, I'm not fucking Lin-Manuel Miranda doing Hamilton for the next five years and I need to memorize everything. It's like, which mm-hmm. again, sort of plays into the thematic uh, disposable sort of nature of TikTok and doing stuff online. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't really bother me though. I was like, I just was curious. if. Yeah. yeah I think live. that's the thing is that like, it is kind of, you know, it, it, this is a culmination, but TikTok is fundamentally disposable in the same way that Twitter is. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, please don't, please no Broadway, please, please, please. No, 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 no. Um, cause I think the other, the surprising thing about it is unlike uh SpongeBob, uh, which also had a million composers, this kind of felt like it was all written by the same person. Yeah. I, you know what I say? I, I had two big notes of it, which was, I mean, not notes, but like two things that really stood out to me. One was it made me realize all the problems with the Ratatouille film that became much more apparent by result of this being edited the way that it was and having to mm-hmm. condense it, like necessity being the mother of all invention it sort of scrapped away with a lot of shit that you just didn't need in the film. And it made actually much more sense as a musical. I was thinking about hmm. you. I mean, obviously I think about you when I ever do these things, but I, I was thinking of a couple just of like things. Writing all the, the thing, all the ways you're going to get revenge one day. But no, I was, I'm like, cause we talk about this. Right. And so, hmm. it, it, and obviously I've been on Twitter a lot over the past few hmm. months and, and, some of the discussions that come up that are really interesting, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, why does a song need to be memorable in a musical? Because that was one of the things I really came into this with being like, mm-hmm. musicals are weird. Like, why aren't the melodies memorable? Blah, blah, blah. 
This is my old 2020 version of myself, <laughs> not the new and improved. Not and was, 2021, new right? year, new me. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I guess that's not really the function of it within the musical. And then the other thing that you said is uh, using it as a sort of heightened moment to establish like a character's whatever, mm-hmm. like their their status quo or something that they're feeling or something that they're bringing up. Yeah, their up. motivation. And and what I was what I realized is, is that when this opens, or I guess it's like one of the first songs in it is Remy has his song. Right. About like, oh, I want song. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, like this makes perfect sense in here. And it actually makes me like this character a lot more in a way that I didn't really care about in the film, because in the film, it's all exposition. It's voiceover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, this. So the fact that that happened so early in the film or in the uh, in this uh, production musical. Yeah. yeah, And I was like, (laughs) so I sort of like it got me into it much quicker. I was like, oh, this actually is a much better form for this. And it made the story a lot more interesting than it was in the film. That was Yeah. It is interesting like how much they kind of blew past. Um and I was like in a weird way, I'm like, I've seen the movie a few times and I I like couldn't even remember the, you know, the things that they just like cut out. Like I totally forgot that Linguini was his long last kid. Right. And that's, like, that's the other thing too. It's like that's all excess plot in the film. You realize when you're watching it, I'm like, this is supposed to be Remy's story. Like the Linguini thing is actually kind of fucking annoying. Like mm-hmm. it and also in terms of how they establish it, they establish it as Remy is this rat who's like, I'm all about food and cooking and I come from a town of or like I'm a rat, but I so like my family does this and this is mm-hmm. what my dad's expectations are. And then like 15 minutes in the movie, they're like, well, cool, your dad goes away and he's gone for like 45 minutes of the movie. And then there's this other subplot of like Linguini that's supposed to try and play to the theme, but like not really. And like, yeah, it's like he can't cook. He doesn't have the magic <laughs> a- Ayn Rand gene. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and and um, like, but I think it's like also structurally, yeah, you have Remy's I Want song and then you had uh, the... Um, Chef Gusto song, right. which you know I thought Anyone was really can cute. Cook, yeah, yeah, it's like a, like in a real musical that would you it know absolutely sense. yeah yeah because it's just like he's providing like you know kind of the motivation, the inciting incident. And even Django's got a song where he's where he's like, I can't oh yeah, it's like, like, like this nice just waltz. Like, Rats are good, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like you set up the story and and thematically, or sorry, um, what was I going to say? Sorry, I just brain farted. Keep going. <laughs> And it did also like it did feel kind of abridged. Like you could, I could definitely see a longer version of it, uh, mm-hmm. like including some more of those emotional beats. Because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I think, I think it in it, it. There's something that musical fans intuit about when a show merits a song, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's sort of like almost the magical thing about the whole TikTok improv project right. was that the, the ones that caught on, the ones that went viral were the ones where people were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. would make sense that like, that would be the point in a show where there would be a song yeah. um, if this was a musical. And I think that, you know, it, it was almost sort of like an interesting social experiment because obviously there were a ton of songs that got uh, posted to TikTok that didn't really take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ones that did, I think were the ones where, you know, other fans of the genre or even fans of Ratatouille we're like, oh yes, ha ha ha! That would be where <laughs> <laughs> that would be where a song would go in the show in the movie. Well, that's a, so. The other thing I was thinking too was like it felt when I was watching it just because I could remember the movie and it was sort of the way it was playing in my head and hearing the songs. I was like, oh, this feels like a. Uh, I don't know. What, what do we call it? We don't call it the classic era Disney. That's way older. But the nineties is the Renaissance yeah. Disney. It felt like a. What is it like, Alan? Uh, yeah, Alan Macon Lincoln, and uh, what's his name? Tim Rice. Tim Rice. Uh, Hilton John. Yeah, if, if, our boy. It felt like it would. Like, I could totally see Ratatouille just like 
they take the movie that it is, they edit out all the crap, they add these songs in, and it just fits very mm-hmm. nicely into that era of Disney cartoon, like feature films. Yeah, because Ratatouille is a surprisingly long movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost two hours. So it's definitely on the longer end uh, for um, for a Pixar film. Actually, no, I take that back. Brad, <laughs> Brad Bird's films are always like two hours. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, do we want to talk about the cast? Uh, yeah, we love them all mostly, right? Is there anybody that we didn't love in it? <laughs> I thought Adam Lambert was an interesting choice. I mean, I don't really know much about him. He was on American Idol, right? Yeah, and I think it's more like they... He just Okay, so like Emil in the movie is kind of like a well-meaning dumb guy yeah. who supports his brother but doesn't understand what he's doing um or why he's into it. He but he like I love you bro so right. I'm going to I'm down for whatever. And this version didn't really seem to have anything. He was just kind of like singing the songs yeah. and uh I I thought that was an interesting choice. <laughs> But I liked his eyeliner. Yeah, I was going to say his, his, his eyebrows look great. I was telling Sarah, I'm like, is it weird how much I'm fixated on how well plucked his eyebrows are as a Middle East <laughs> as a Middle Eastern man? I was just like, God damn, bro, it looks great. <laughs> uh, do, do you do you do you pluck? Do you dream, or do you just admire other people's? Oh, I, I do a little bit. I do a little bit of uh, of you know, we take the two, we make it. A, I'm sorry, we take the one <laughs> and we make it, and two. make it two. <laughs> just a little bit. I, you know, I used to. I keep. I keep like it's kind of one of those things where I know I'm supposed to, and then I like. Don't, but then I don't need to because I haven't seen another human being in nine months. <laughs> so, okay. so that that was the other thing I was going to mention to you is that I was like, I need to give Lindsay another shout out. Is that like it, this? You need to tell me to pluck my eyebrows. Yeah, but, no, no, no. <laughs> Talking about seeing other human beings. Yeah, that was not a, that was not an eyebrow transition. It was a uh, it was seeing other <laughs> like human. Like I've been meaning to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I've been meaning uh, to tell you about your eyebrows. It's like getting a little rough. It's a little bushy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What I was going to say was. Uh, the the fundamental conceit of us doing this in the first place, right? Which was something that mm-hmm. you fought very hard for, which was theater is important because of being there and seeing a live performance and being in a room with individuals mm-hmm. and seeing something on a stage and watching this now after having like the entire experience of like being around other pu- humans, like mm-hmm. taken away, it was very it was weirdly like exciting to just hear the first notes of a song uh, Mm -hmm. because it reminded me of going to a show, even though I'm not like musical guy or whatever, but I was like, Oh, I remember going to a theater. I remember seeing people on a stage. I remember hearing live music. I remember. And there was like the, this sort of swell of excitement that came up around me and Mm -hmm. hot take more so than going to a movie theater and sitting in a in a movie theater silent and watching a giant screen, which is fucking as crazy to me as anybody else that I would even think that <laughs> in the first place. Well, I think there was something like, you know, unique about this production since they were kind of promoting it like it was a musical. Like you had to, you know, buy admission and it was only streaming for a certain amount of time and everybody saw it at the same time. And yeah. I think that is something that we are kind of losing yeah. um, in the era of streaming. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the ironic thing about like Game of Thrones was keeping yeah. event television alive. Yep. And I think Game of Thrones also killed it because <laughs> it was so bad that everybody like who was maybe on board for the idea of event television gave up on it because Game of Thrones is so disappointing. And so I think, you know, we're going to see events less and less. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's that's another nice thing about like, you know, live theater is it's it's, it's you know, it's going to be one of those things that like maybe, you know, we don't all see it at the same time. But you it, you are when the people you're in the room with and the, you know, 
players on the stage, you know, that is still a, you know, you know, temporally synchronous moment where yeah. you're all experiencing this at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like a concert, same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. but it, it, it made me, it was just funny. Cause like, sometimes I'll just put on concerts on YouTube just mm-hmm. to feel, just to feel something. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Like I do that with green day. Like that's my, like, take me away, Billy Joe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I thought that I was like, but it was just, it was really strange for me to be like, Oh, I got like, happy from hearing the opening notes of a song of a musical yeah. because it reminded me of being around other human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's like there, since it is so unpretentious, it's literally improvised. You're, you're not like kind of cringing for like, Oh, yeah. they're going for a Tony, you know, this is an awards bait. It is literally like, just, no, I loved you it. know, kids on TikTok. <laughs> like, no, well, it was not great. Kids. I think that, I think it's like, it also must needs to be remarked that, um, the, uh, most of the people who actually kind of were good enough to go viral were like, you know, professional-ish composers yeah. like their brand on TikTok or Twitter was like, hi, I'm a composer. Or, hi, I'm a musician. This is what like, I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. They were like real musicians. They weren't like randos. Like it wouldn't be like if I did it, who I've, I've never like <laughs> written a song in my life. Like, so <laughs> listen, this, our Twister, the musical TikTok channel is yeah. going to go fucking viral. Oh my right? God. You, he's like, you, you're just teasing them. You're giving the, you're giving the kids Twister blue balls, man. Season you three. Gotta, that's when it happens. That's when you I gotta to give them, the you change. gotta give them the NATO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta, you gotta like sell that hot twister, the musical merch. But yes, I think generally speaking, just conceptually, I was all about it. I think it it hit a lot of notes and it seemed like a lot of people on Twitter, which seems to be, you know, where the pulse of uh, everybody is. Everybody was was just sort of like this, like simple joy that we don't get a lot of anymore. Uh Like it's like, it's kind of like, it's not that deep bro. And you know, we don't get a lot of, it's not that deep bro content anymore because everything has to be discoursed to death. And they kind of made a thing that is like undiscourseable. Like (laughs) it's like, you know, this sort of like simple thing that can exist in its own little happy sphere. And that is something that we have just kind of been continuously denied like throughout this entire year. I think also I was thinking about, as I often think about, I'm just sort of like, well, how would this be viewed in the pantheon of, of shows over like 30 years from now, if we're trying to explain mm-hmm. to our kids and they're like, and then we did this Ratatouille musical <laughs> and we watch and kids are going to look at it and be like, what the fuck is this shit? And I'm like, you don't even understand what yeah. this meant to us at the time. <laughs> like, look, yeah, <laughs> we had like Kimmy Schmidt isn't on the air anymore. <laughs> Hades town is dark. We like, This is all we have. Right. Like, if you tr- go ahead. Sorry. Oh, although I, I ha- do have a note that is, um, I'm starting to worry that Titus Burgess only has one character. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like I, 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 I think as, as I was watching it, I was like, this this whole thing does feel like a Kimmy Schmidt oh, that's joke. It. I had the same note. Like, I had the same note. <laughs> but that made me love like this, it, too. This looks like something that Titus would go audition for, Ratatouille the musical. Like, specifically that, that line of like, I'm going to boil, and I'm going to broil. <laughs> and I was like, this this sounds like something Tina Fey wrote. Like... That's that's literally like, I have it right here. I said feels like a Kimmy. I was like, that's what I loved about it too. Was, like you just like the Disney like you know Broadway industrial complex culminates with Ratatouille the musical. It's perfect. But that like I said to me that that also just put me in the headspace where I was like, oh, I'm not gonna try and take this seriously. Like I'm just gonna mm-hmm. be just like yeah. have a good time with it. It's not meant to be like we're trying to get people to cry or something. It's like no, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. It's just fun. It's sort of like yeah, yeah. But it, was, it is, I guess, kind of a lot like Spongebob in that way. Uh, yeah, I was um, thinking that too. I guess like sort of the main difference is like it sounded like they had the same composer. Because if you notice, there were a few motifs that um, came back up 
I know because I, I noticed some of them like did like incorporate like um, Emile's song mm-hmm. like did the da 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 da, which is like the original viral song that kicked the whole thing off. Oh, okay. Remy the Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, that's that's really clever because they actually like incorporated a motif in a way that an actual composer would. That's awesome. Um, but in the same way that also like, you know, it, it didn't sound like SpongeBob because I think like the reason it did kind of sound like the same composer wrote it was because it was so musical the musical like it was very hunch you know it was it was, it was very hunchy in that way that it was it, you know it sounded like a generic musical and that's why it kind of sounded like it was written by this you know the same composer no i was into it okay so here here's the discussion that sarah and i were having that's extremely important mm-hmm. andre's jacket what's that oh, On, andre's, andre's ja- jacket did it have was the lapel the flannel the print or did he have a scarf wrapped tightly around his lapel I don't know, because, like, they, the thing is, like, you couldn't go, you couldn't rewind. You couldn't go back and check. I was going to get a screen cap of him, and it wouldn't let me. We were just having, like, a discussion where I was like, I think that's his lapel. That's the pattern. And she's like, no, I think it's a scarf that's wrapped around it. And then somebody on Twitter also pointed out, which was hilarious. They're like, of course, he doesn't have a fucking plate as a prop, but he just has a sequins jacket just fucking laying around. <laughs> Look, he's method, okay? <laughs> Love it. Hilarious. No, I, um, Andre, that's like one of my notes is Andre added uh, 10 years back onto my life. Yeah, I saw that tweet. I was very, very glad to see him again. Um, I thought he was like perfect casting. Oh, yeah, 100%. Although, again, it's just like he's just being Hermes. <laughs> like, I think he really misses being Hermes it because, works. like, he's just like channeling full Hermes energy. But I also like that, like, the one thing they kind of copied verbatim from the movie mm-hmm. was Ego's speech at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I'm glad they left that in because that's, like, the best. Like, I think Fundam is, like, Ratatouille is, like, pretty good, you know, upper echelon Pixar. But, like, Ego's speech at the end, I think, is, like, one of the best things in any Pixar movie. Like, I full agree, stop. yeah. Like, it's just, like, a brilliant piece of writing. So I'm glad, A, that Andre DeShields got to say it, and B, that they left it in at all. Because uh, I think it is kind of like a culminating, you know, it's a great thesis statement. Yep. You know, e- even though it does include that, like, not everyone could cook. It's like, yeah. hey, okay. <laughs> but I think it's just, like, it. it's, like, this incredibly succinct and nuanced take on the nature of criticism mm-hmm. and its relationship to art. Um, and, uh, you know, how whenever you are like this dead inside husk of a, you know, soul like myself that just doesn't (laughs) enjoy things anymore (laughs) because, and I, cause it's like part of my job for so long is like, you know, discoursing things. Um, so it is kind of really rare that, um, you know, I see something that kind of like takes me back to like, Oh, that's why I enjoy things at all. Like, uh, Mad Max Fury Road was one, um, Hades Town was another where it just kind of like snaps you out of discourse brain and Mm -hmm. critic brain and Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm snaps you back to why you even enjoy art in the first place. Yep. And that's more, um, you know, a feature of the movie than the, um, the musical, the ratatouzical, but like, I'm glad they left that in. Cause it was, it was nice to see Andre get to say that. Yeah. I, I love that line too. What does he say? He says, uh, the new needs friends. I think that's the line. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it thematically too. Spider verse, like, by the way, was my movie where I was like, Oh, it, the one that snapped you back. But out I was like, like <laughs> Oh, that's why I make, that's why I got into this in the first fucking place. 
Yeah, it's like once every four or five years, yeah. you'll, you'll have something that like, oh, right. Yo, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, that's non-cynicism. Yeah, uncynicism. <laughs> uncynicism. Rare. Okay. I have another um, note that mm-hmm. is just scarves. Oh, yes, uh, the triple scarf guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, that, that was it, just scarves. Yes, <laughs> I, I also have, there was a guy who like removes three scarves, I think, right? Is what he, That's mm-hmm. what the gag was. I was like, they knew. They they knew, they knew. you were. I was like, target audience. The audience. Yeah, <laughs> pandering, but that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be pandered to. Theater critic who loves scarves. I'm just like pff, sold, and it's <laughs> it's like 55 minutes. I was like, I can't. It's 10 out of 10. I can't argue with any of this. Everything it hit was correct. Oh, the only other joke that I'd written was it looked like Adam Lambert was doing uh, Beetlejuice, the TikTok musical, in terms of like his, <laughs> his hair and his, his look, like makeup yeah, and yeah. stuff. And I was like, he looks more like. Um, I forget what homeboy's name Brightman? was. Alex Brightman. That was the name yeah. I was trying to remember. Yeah. But it wasn't that good of a joke. So I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So here, here was the line that I thought was the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of thing, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. And I think that that's that's a that's a line I kind of come back to a lot. And that's mm-hmm. part of why I try to, you know, like with what I do, try to, you know, elevate it more than just like bitching. Yeah. Um, because there's this this really toxic trend um, in internet criticism that I mm-hmm. think is absolutely exacerbated by the internet, which is just this. It's fun to feel superior to the to our to the people who are you know actually putting themselves out there, and and that's something I think a lot about because I kind of feel like, you know, I kind of inadvertently contributed to that environment by working for some of these people. Um, and it made me uncomfortable at the time. And now I like genuinely regret it, which is why I don't have, um, you know, part of why I, I don't put, um, my old stuff up online anywhere, you know, and then this part of why I like left it in. And I feel like it, it's relevant, particularly to this little show because, you know, t- we kind of think of like social media and TikTok as junk. It is detritus because it is thrown out there so quickly it's consumed and forgotten. Mm-hmm. Applying that little speech to, you know, content that originated on TikTok, you know, kind of reminds us that like not everything needs to be Tony award bait to have meaning, you know, it's just because it is like detritus or junk or, you know, small thing, you know, it's it's still can bring joy to people. And I think, uh, yeah, I I, I liked that speech applied to this content. I agree. And I think that because joy is so lacking (laughs) <laughs> these yeah. days like yeah it's like don't don't spit on it yeah. especially. like don't shit on something that just brings like, people joy in a time where there's so much to be joyless about you know this is a thing that like drives me nuts about twitter it's like that's why if i if i say something nice about a thing i never look at the replies because i don't want because it's <laughs> yeah. just like there's well, this weird actually, impulse yeah yeah it's just like thing bad actually unless it's about something like uh I don't know, Andre to Shields, who I know no one's going to talk shit about because if they do, they get blocked. Um, or we'll fight but them. like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's just like, it, it's just so easy to like be joyless because that's just like the world we live in now. And I think that there is this impulse to um, remind people that the world is bad, actually, uh, when it's just like, you don't have to do that all the time, because if you do, you're just going to die. Like, th- th- you can't live like that. And it's not fair and it's not realistic to expect people to. Yeah, I agree. I think joy is an underrated thing that people make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to do it. I think especially if you're, even if you're writing something like that, or even I think 
sort of somewhat related. Like comedy is one of these things that because it's not like serious, people mm-hmm. tend to think that it's not like yeah, fucking like really hard. Rare it is that comedies get nominated for like best picture or best screenplay. Right. And I'm telling you, like in terms of like relationships to other people, it's like more than anything. Like I remember quotes from TV shows and movies or movies that were funny or shit that was funny. Like yeah. that's more of like what bonds me to others than like I cried at the end of Wild Strawberries, like hysterically. Yeah. I love Bergman, <laughs> right? Like not that that doesn't also have value. I just mean that. Yeah, like, people it's meme like Arrested Development and The Big Lebowski. Yeah. You don't see like Birdman memes or Spotlight memes. <laughs> like <laughs> I can only imagine the fucking Spotlight memes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, I can, I can see a meme where, like, the, the 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 one where he like looks at the house and realizes that, like, oh no, that's where the pedophile lives. Like, be a meme for like whenever you realize something that you like is horrible, actually. Right. <laughs> so yeah, just that make spotlight memes. There oh, don't go. make spotlight memes. Um, anyway, so yeah, Ratatouille the musical sparked joy. Um, please sparked don't, joy, yeah. please don't, please don't bring it to Broadway. <laughs> no, if anything, if you if they have to do it. I, my suggestion would be to do an expansion, like a director's, like, what is it? Special edition, mm-hmm. like a fucking Star Wars special edition of Ratatouille where they incorporate songs. Pixar goes back mm-hmm. and adds a bunch of these scenes and animates them or, and then edits a bunch of shit. Or they include a lot of the stuff that they couldn't include. Because, like, a lot of some of the really interesting stuff that was on TikTok that they mm-hmm. didn't include was, like, staging and, like, suggestions on how to stage it and how to, like, you know, illustrate, like, the size difference um, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the, or costumes. And there's all sorts of stuff. So I think, like, what would be interesting is including stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even illustrating how that could be, um, you know, manifested. But, you know, please, please know. Please, no. Please <laughs> no, no. Broadway. no Broadway. No Broadway. So I guess this is our season two. Uh, as you may have noticed with our new logo. Mm. <laughs> uh, illustrated by our very own Kava Taharian. Mm. Yeah, uh, we're going to be doing uh, movies now. Musical, yeah, musical the movies. Way, yeah, the way, the way we decided to uh, go about this was rather than movie musical adaptations, until the world starts back up, we're going to be doing musicals that began their lives as movies, of which there are quite a lot, more than you might think. Because there's actually quite a lot that, you know, started their lives as movies, like Moulin Rouge or Mary Poppins or The Lion King, mm-hmm. and then transitioned into the stage. But, uh, you know, we don't often talk about those. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Uh, at least for the first, let's see, six months of, uh, I don't think, I don't think anything's opening up till the end of the year. Probably. Huh? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we'll be, we'll be here. We're back for a little bit. We will not be abandoning you guys, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So Um, I guess we'll be back next week with our fifth beetle. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And, uh, we're going to be starting with, uh, Moulin Rouge Mm. and we'll be taking it from there. Yeah. Okay, so come uh, what may. <laughs> if you guys would like to, actually, not if you'd like to, please go follow us on our social medias. We yeah, are. Yeah, we'll try to find up creative ways to post pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are at Musical Splainin with no G on Twitter, and we are at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. I am at Covetarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Go check out some of my comics. I've been working real hard to make you kids laugh. Uh, and I'm at the Lindsay Ellis on Twitter and name brand Lindsay on Instagram. And I never update it. <laughs> that's true. You I don't try to, I don't try to make people laugh. I don't <laughs> that's what the podcast is for. It's like, and I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, but okay. So thanks again, guys. And Lindsay, I will see you at 
not the theater. What did we say last time? We need a new sign-off for this year, for this yeah, version. Yeah, see you at the Blu-ray panel. At the Zoom. <laughs> see you at the Zoom See you meeting. at the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>